Hello and welcome to or welcome back to the MK Performance Podcast. Okay, welcome to an MK Performance Podcast with me, Grant Schofield, joined with the MK himself, Matt Kerr. How's it going, Matt? Hey, I'm good, thanks. You? Pretty good. So I'm sitting in a rainy university office in Auckland, New Zealand, and whereabouts are you sitting? Uh, I'm sitting in Malulaba, and yeah, it's blue sky out there, uh, sun shining, and pretty pleasant, to be honest. Yeah, well, not, not a bad part of the world to move to, particularly this time of year as uh, New Zealand closes in, and uh, the Sunshine Coast is not known as the Sunshine Coast for nothing, so half you like. Uh, good stuff. So just a little recap of where you've been over the last, um, or since Christmas, really. Just Let's just go through that again. You got a bit sick, had to flag a race. The, that was the summer Mount Monganui half. Uh, got too fat, had to lose that weight, did that quickly, and then ended up racing your first pro Ironman race, Ironman New Zealand. Correct. Yep, yep. Uh, that runway was a bit a bit sharp and a bit steep, but we got there in the end. Um, yep, no, it went, went good. Uh, we finished fifth. That yep. was early early March. So we should just actually tell people about that, um, I guess we're calling it the Christian Blumenfeld special of uh, training into that Ironman. You sort of run out of decent training and lost your way a little bit, so ended up doing the... Um, so I think the, say the race was on a Saturday, the yeah. Wednesday and Thursday of the, not the week of the race, obviously, but the week before. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, week before. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about those two days of workouts. Well, so typically that's a time where everyone just turns off, right? Two yep. weeks. Two weeks. So we're done. We'll, we'll taper. Uh, whereas, yeah, we called it the Christian Blumenfeld. Um, last minute, we that was two key sessions on the Tuesday and the Wednesday. So it was a, a brick on the Tuesday yeah. um, and pretty much rode 180, 180K. At race and, pace, just about, eh? Yeah, like I think it was about four hours, 36 minutes. So I was pretty close to being on most of the time. It was definitely periodized with intervals. It was five by five by 45 minutes. Uh, at race pace, so 280 watts thereabouts. Yes, it's a pretty big um, workout. Yeah, and so that was on the Tuesday. Yeah. And actually weeks prior to that, we'd have a run off that as well. Um, but not but quite as long. Thought, yeah, not quite as long. And then just given the fact that this was so close to the race, we pushed, uh, we had a run on the Wednesday, um, and that was just, was that there was a two-hour run, uh, basically striving for 30k in two hours. So again, at Ironman, very similar to Ironman race pace. Yeah, so we're always scared about this going, geez, you want to be a little bit careful about the that sort of you know, 180k TT one day and a 30k race pace run the next day. Yes, eight, nine, ten days out from an Ironman, but actually I think it worked out quite well. It did work out quite well. And why did we? And we call it the Christian Blumenfeld because our, we're in Utah this time last year, actually. And yeah. uh, you know, it was about that time 
that he went out and rode the entire course one day of the St. George course, 180K, and then he went and ran, uh, I'm not quite sure if it was the entire 42K, but it was pretty close. It was like 36K of the marathon course the day after. So I guess that's where that came from, right? Yeah. We're trying to copy other people's training, but actually just it was interesting that he got away with it and we felt you could probably do the same and actually I think it worked out to be quite a good little preparation. Probably might try that again, eh? I think so. And yeah, I, the the Tuesdays were typically a brick, so it was like a, a similar kind of ride with a runoff and then the yeah. Wednesday would back up with a long run. So yeah. the, the intention was to try and be running on some fatigue-tired legs from the Tuesday, but obviously we split that into not having the actual brick on the Tuesday, uh, pushing that up to Wednesday. Yeah, so it's just an interesting thing for people preparing for an Ironman if you run out of space. I sort of felt they didn't have quite enough bike specificity and that was a good way to do it. Nah. Yep. No, it worked well. Worked well so, um, yep. Yeah. Um, other, other learning things, I, I reckon we should just have a quick chat about that little topic of the, the Nike next percent vapor fives alpha fives i can't even remember what these things are called just tell me about what you were wearing in that ironman race <laughs> uh or for every ironman i've raced in i've i've gone with the nike super shoe which is you know some form of carbon or alpha or vapor fly uh so i was in yeah uh alphas alpha, nike alpha alpha twos i think they were uh for for this race um of which are extremely bouncy and got their full carbon plate in them um i think they're an amazing shoe for running intervals running fast um and i think you think the same but i think we've come to the conclusion that the latter part of a marathon where there's the risk heightened risk of uh fading slightly that they actually become a negative effect and i think that was really showcased in in Taupo. I agree with that idea that I think there's no doubt that these shoes for intervals for 5, 10K, maybe half marathon are faster. You run a couple of seconds K faster. It does change your mechanics. So you tend to, if you're using them well, you tend to get more forward, uh, good little uh, push out through that back glute and uh, hammy and calf seems to happen as well, which is, Great. My problem is I think you're either running in those in training for some of your long runs to try and mimic those mechanics and be structured up to take that, or you just don't wear them in Ironman races. I mean, what I observed is that you're running pretty well, four-minute Ks or 4.0-something Ks, reasonably mechanically efficiently, and then you lost that mechanical ability, I don't know, two-thirds of the way into the run, and then, then all of a sudden when you run badly in those Nike carbon things, uh, they're almost like a clown shoe. It's like a big fat thing that's on your feet making you run badly. So I think the net result in that event for you was a yeah, a three or four minute loss of speed that you probably would have had if you'd just run in regular running shoes. What do you what do you reckon about that? Because I've been trying to say that for a while. Yeah. 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 Um, I think I think the mindset around the shoe is uh, they're like a disc wheel, right? You don't train on your disc wheel all the time. Yeah. You chuck your disc wheel on for a race, and it's like that little bit of fruit at on race day that you can add that might give you X amount of free speed. And yeah. I think the thinking 
is the same around these shoes, except yeah. you make a very obvious point around training in them as well. And if you're not training in them, then how do you become uh, that sort of, we talk about that robustness through the mechanics in the latter part of marathon 35 to 42 K when things do start to, to drop and you start to become tired and the hips shrink and all that sort of stuff. Um, how do you still stay strong in those shoes? I, I truly think that a carbon shoe has some benefit over, over a standard running shoe, but it's, it's what carbon shoe is for you might be the best kind yeah. of avenue around that. And, and possibly that Nike for me, it's just got too much, um, you know, it's, it's too, there's too much going on when, when things yeah. go wrong. I, I, you know, honestly, I just wish they hadn't been invented. Um, I don't want to be an old, crusty, anti-technophobe sort of guy, but I, I sort of feel like a, you know, a good supple, uh, new shoe with good EVA in it is, is good, and this sort of just adds another level of complexity. But I suppose that's sport, isn't it? Um, it's not really the same as using a disc wheel though, because the disc wheel doesn't really change your mechanics. It's a bit like adding aero bars on the day for an extra spice of stuff and you haven't used them, which would be wrong, yeah, okay. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, 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 maybe. And you yeah. wouldn't do that. So no. anyway, uh, I think one thing that took you over the edge was, uh, what's his name from Switzerland? Uh, you? Uh, Jan. Jan yeah. Van Berkel. Um, what did he have to say about that? Um, yeah, same kind of thing. He was in Alphas as well. I think just a matter of that was really the only shoe that was available to him when he was in the country and he actually couldn't get anything else. And um, we came into T2 together and I knew he had a strong run and he ran like a 240 something. So he was on for most of it. But even he's saying similar things running that kind of marathon. Yeah, and his mechanics, frankly, are very, very good, right? And he still yeah. thinks he, it was affecting him and making him lose time over normal shoes. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so there's the the tips. Uh, so, so just to clarify, the learning going forward is like, what are we doing now differently? Oh, yeah, what are you going to do uh, in this next race? Yeah, so it's either that we look at training in a shoe that we're going to race in a lot more, um, but in fact, it's... I think where we're going and the discussions we've had is actually just using a standard shoe. Which is your Hoka, which Hokas do you have? Ma- uh, those Mac 5. Yeah. Um, and just a good, I, good, good comfy yeah. shoe with plenty of EVA in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, they don't last that long either, those things, do they? But that's the way it goes. No, they're super soft, but um, that's the plan. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, we'll let you know how that goes, everyone. Yeah, cool. Uh, I, I like it, but it's me. <laughs> okay, right. Move, moving moving on with, with topics. I think as we produce this, you're like five and a half weeks out from uh, uh, Ironman and Cairns. Uh, haven't really started, a, only just started a specific build-up for that. So sort of between Ironman New Zealand, which was in March, and now where we're in May, um, a little bit of a rest, got going, tried to do some VO2 and some higher intensity stuff because it doesn't really fit a sort of just-in-time specific build-up for an Ironman, but it sort of felt there's always gains to be made, especially on the bike of doing some hard, short, hard stuff. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, we gave it 
a bit of time out of Ironman and then um, typically the VO2 work on the bikes at intervals of, you know, one minute, two minutes, three minutes uh, in that time frame and at as high power as possible or, or what's possible. Um, so what's that, that for you? So, so it's like 400 to 410 10 watts. 10 watts yeah. um, and you might do like how many minutes of that so i might range from starting at say 22 minutes and you're working through let's say four weeks and you might work up to 26 minutes thereabouts and it's just progressional each week uh so it's only one vo2 i say only it's a vo2 session a week on the bike uh so you might go through three minutes two minutes one minute and you might rotate through that four times, go through four cycles of that, uh, all at 410 watts, and then uh, slowly fade out maybe your ones, or might go three, two, two, one. And I think that's where we got to with that. So um, it's pretty demanding. It's, uh, it's <laughs> definitely, it plays on your mind a little bit. Uh, can actually scare the crap out of you before you've even attempted the workout. But um yeah. Just yeah, and so we're, two we're, minutes rest say between each of those intervals, and then between cycles you might have five minutes, pretty easy. So it's actually a reasonable amount of rest. But um, like people won't be able to do four ten watts. I mean, I certainly can't. But whatever that range is for you, it's pretty brutal. Once you're doing those two minutes, you, you know, you're getting through a minute, and it's yeah, it's in ten second blocks by then just to make it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. not only are your lungs just like screaming your heart rate's up there and your legs are just uh you know they're on fire so it's um yeah it's a, i wouldn't say yeah it's a hard it's a hard session um and it's erg mode on the trainer of course just to not really clarify that doing this no, we're not trying to... yeah um and yeah, so the, way, the one good thing i noticed about this that because you go through them and you know by the time you've made a few screw-ups and you got tired one week and you didn't allow the right amount of recovery the next week, you know, that didn't get as many as we quite would have liked. But uh, it's been really interesting going back to the first session of race-specific power. So Ironman-specific power for you is 280-odd um, watts for the Ironman. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And just tell us, you just did that first session of that this week. So started with a three-hour ride with, is it four by 20-minute blocks at 280? Yeah, yeah. Yep, and, and we plan to build that over the, as you say, five to six weeks leading into yep. an Ironman race. Um, those, by build it, we, we talk about duration of time being built out, the power pretty much still staying the same. Um, yep. But yeah, interesting numbers for, for week number one, based off that, you know, we saw definitely for the same power, a lower heart rate uh, yep. at 280 watts. Admittedly, it was only a 20-minute effort. Um, we'll see Either four of them. what happens is... is is Four of them over three hours, you didn't drift that much with your heart rate. So you're down in the very low 140s for 280, which is actually sensational, I think, for you. Normally at 280, we probably see 150. Um, yeah. So and we're sort of the only difference we've done is that VO2 work. So maybe that's had a sort of really good effect on that ability to be more efficient at lower uh, hmm. powers as well. So that's one good thing. I just hope that continues or it wasn't just a one-off or something. <laughs> and those are on the road and actually just on that note like i i mean that final session where i think it was or even the second to last session on those vo2s i put a bit of a short novel on um 
Strava, just around you know um, the complexity of what these sessions bring and how they how for me they're actually they are a real life struggle. It was really good to hear back from a lot of people around. Um, they felt the same as well going into some of those harder sessions, whatever they looked like, whether it was VO2 work or, or whatever it was. It was just yep. it resonated with a few people, I think. So that was it was quite cool. Oh, and, and do you end up programming some of those sessions for athletes you coach as well? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nasty. Yep. That's pretty nasty. Eh? And um, yeah, oh, the, the classic one recently for, for a couple of athletes has been the two by 20 minutes at, at top end threshold. So they're really touching on low low VO two but top end threshold. So um, Oh yeah, that's then, yeah, that's that's a sort of advancement on that Zwift workout of two times fifteen minutes FTP, isn't it? It's like yeah. It's pretty yeah. pretty brutal. I think I only ever yeah. gave you that once in your whole career. I know I was talking to you. You're dishing Sam it out like candy, yet. are you? Yeah, I was talking to Sam about that the other day. And uh <laughs> yeah, I still remember that session and that was, was a couple of years ago up here in Malilaba pre pre-Noosa, I think it was, uh, Olympic distance Noosa. So, uh, yeah, there's a few that have copped that session over the last few weeks. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, don't be too mean. I think that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty – you know, you, you want them to still enjoy the sport. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so the, so um, this, let's go through this next sort of five weeks. I mean, it's really just a just-in-time build, Blumenfeld type thing, concentrating on executing – specific power and just building up the duration of that yeah yes yeah exactly yeah um we've got a pretty clear pathway as to where we're going and you know what that final sort of five or six week look like looks like and what we need to achieve but in order to get there then it needs to be progressional from from where we're at at the moment um i think that there's a, a big focus on the whole uh, running efficiency at the moment and constantly thinking how how can i be the best possible runner uh, at this point in time, wherever I am in the session, whether that's you know an hour fifty into a a long run, or or even an hour thirty or an hour, um, it's just like, what are you doing? Am I conserving as much energy as possible and the least possible effort? Yeah, I I, I think you still ran under three hours at that last Ironman, but I, um, I think you're probably in better shape than that. To be to mm. be honest, and it just didn't quite. Um, work out in the end so um, one thing that you've been doing which I really like and it's a good tip for other people is you know it's really for your own benefit but other people can see it just you know record somewhere at the end of each session what extra little things you think you achieved you know you always want to be working on something even if it's a recovery thing uh, you know I'm just doing this or doing that and um, just write that in your comments section of your description section of your Strava or whatever you're on um, yeah. And it just keeps a little record of it for yourself, and you can go back and look at that. But that sort of tensional um, thing's been quite good, uh, I mm. think. And so you're you, you doing that still? Yes. Yeah. 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 Where where it applies, and and uh, probably more around the non-specific sessions of you know, if there's a thirty-minute run, what's actually trying to be achieved in this thirty-minute run? Are we forgetting pace? What what is it? You know. Yeah, because sometimes I feel that a mistake is that you, you know, oh, I'll go for an hour's ru- easy run where you might be better off just doing a, and you just get through the work mindlessly, whereas you're better off maybe doing 30 and concentrating on some strides and and yeah. uh, a little bit of technique. And, you know, you just, you got out there and raised the heart rate a little bit and uh, plus you achieve something else. So thinking about this, Ken's, uh, I mean, Ken, so like, last time you've, I think you got the course record for. The age group for both the seventy point three and the full Ironman, 
uh, it's probably going to be a bit of a step up for the pro race there. What are you expecting to see there, and what, what how are we going about it? Mm. Oh, some actual some other work we did in New Zealand, which I think is probably worth talking about, is um, swimming. Oh, you know, no, we'll get to that. I thought that was going to. Um, I was going to segue. Was gonna, right, it, was, it was seamlessly going to fall into the next topic when you talk about yeah, before, I, before I just stuff that up. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the swim. Yeah, that's going to be different. It's going to be different. I, I think it's going to be very different to well, not very, but it will be again for me uh, different to New Zealand. Um, well, also, also age group racing, right? So the sw- Ironman swim age group racing, you just like. Go for a swim. It doesn't really matter what happens. Let's get it done. Get it done. You know? like if you swim fifty minutes or fifty-four minutes, it actually makes no real difference, does it? No, no. Yeah, no. But uh, you're slightly different in the in a pro field, right? Yeah, you know they're going to be swimming probably forty-seven. Yep. Yeah, uh, and and it'll be on, especially from the start, and there'll be a reasonable group of these guys. And if you're not somewhere near that group, you're not going to be anywhere near that bike group, hey? Exactly, because I think, you know, you want to set yourself up for the best possible start on the bike. And you can't determine what's going to happen on the bike, but if you can plan for the best start to yeah. be as far forward as you can, then you're giving yourself the best opportunity for the next part of the race. Yeah. Um, so so you've worked quite hard on your swim. I haven't. Actually, people might be surprised, but for the whole of your career so far, while well, you go swim training um, and you accumulate a bit of miles, we haven't actually spent much technical time at all. And it wasn't that we didn't think that was a, it's not a thing or you can make gains. It's just compared to the gains you can make in biking and running for age group Ironman racing, even at the highest level, the swim's not so relevant, not the case in pro racing. So what have you done? Um, yeah, I've seen some uh, technical help um, back when I was back home um, and just looking at some different techniques and uh, work with um, Steve Kent and had a couple of sessions with him just looking, he was just looking at my stroke and some little efficiencies around where I could possibly make um, some improvements and he's just given me a few different drills to to do within my sessions. I mean, typically what a swim would look like for me, and it wasn't always the case, but it would be turned up to the pool if I was swimming solo to go and do the set and then and go home. And it would be like a warm-up, a main set, and a bit of a swim down, and that was about it. So now I guess the difference is we're talking about including some really specific drills in that. Um, and... Being quite you've typically hated, hated drills and had, oh, had yeah. no, you, you never had any fins, even though that's you're supposed to. Yep. And and you know, things like I had to give you the, that snorkel, that front <laughs> snorkel thing. So you've got all this paraphernalia now, fins and a front snorkel, and you're doing one arm drills and breathing drills and kicking on your side and all sorts of things. And actually, the problem with that is for you and that sort of just working mindset, you swim less, right. You might be in the pool yeah. at the same time, but you swim this distance and um, yeah. 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 So yeah, exactly. Having having the gear to be able to, to execute a drill correctly, whereas beforehand it was a drill that was performed poorly because I didn't have the right equipment, therefore I didn't enjoy it, therefore I didn't do it. 
same as kick. You know, I did bugger all kick because not to say that all of your kick needs to be done with fins, but, you know, there's elements of getting gains from doing kick with fins. So, so just having that stuff a little bit more accessible and, and doing it correctly um, has been implemented over the last little while. Yeah, because you really need a couple of seconds per 100 at least to be swimming in that sub-50 minute range and um, yeah. these guys are going to take off fast at the start and you, and you want to go with them. Ironman New Zealand, you ended up leading the second group in. Um, it'd be better if you didn't do that if you were the first group, eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Not, not that I think that would have made any difference in Ironman New Zealand, uh, right. but... I think Australia's a bit could be a bit different. Mm. And Ken's typically isn't. It's a hard. It's a it's a hard swim. Like it's all of the races that I've done there or racing, whether it's seventy point three or Ironman distance, it's been choppy, um, and it, it's a hard swim. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's quite sort of salty and stuff as well up there, eh? It's warm and it's you, you're hot. It's salty and yeah tend to be quite choppy two laps so you're always getting you're always getting uh swimmers through the second lap um yeah yeah that's just how it is yeah okay so we'll see how hopefully it can hang in there um they obviously transition pretty hard as well these guys and these pro races yeah 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 so that'll be again uh, i think something that i had a, a big improvement on in new zealand was that transition and um, I know Simon was just a bullet through that T1 um, and I definitely pushed I can remember actually having to run quite hard to stay with even him and Jan through that T1 phase so um, I know I've definitely made an improvement there and it's something you've got to be you have your wits about you because it could be too late and then it's, it's all over Yeah, so they're basically running at the speed you transition through an Olympic distance try they're just going aren't they? Yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and and for age group racing, we've always done the opposite. We've gone, oh, come out of the swim, just take it easy, amble up, be efficient, get your stuff on, get your heart rate down, and then get out there to the bike with without being too stressed out. This is the exact opposite of that. It is, yeah. Yeah. It's actually like trying to calm your heart rate and just get in the space of thinking with age group racing, but um yeah, kind of not the case. And if you do that in pro racing, it's like, well, you're going to be riding by yourself, you know, by yourself or yeah. Yeah. Not to your capability. Yeah. And so you're just going to burn matches there in the swim and in that T1 that you would never do in an age group race. And because it's, if you can stay with those guys and stay somewhere near them on the bike and the, you know, there's still advantages with the legal draft distance for being near those cyclists. So um, you could literally put, 15 minutes into the rest of the pro field if you could stick with those guys to the end of the bike um, and you know though you don't expect to outrun your Braden and Curry's and that at least you're well yeah, down the road down from the, the other guys yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah so I think that that's really and we've talked about it that being a key a key emphasis for, for Ken coming up is to try and swim as far forward as possible or on the back of that pack or in the middle of that front pack as as close as possible and then just hang in there as long as long as you can because I think the riding I'd like to think that I'm there it's just what the surges look like initially and early on and also you know those in-betweeners and that includes T1 yeah 
So if you're an age group racer, don't do any of this. Take the swim steadily, amble efficiently through the transition, go onto the bike ride and execute your best individual time trial. And don't um, burn any unnecessary matches. Don't burn any unnecessary matches, but yeah. Okay, so this is just a new territory. It might be a bad idea. And in fact, it has been a bad idea because you can see, I mean, in Ironman New Zealand, when you took off at the start of the bike, all of those guys basically just rode off, didn't they? Well, they were putting in pretty high powers. Um, yep. Who was the guy that uh, blew up again? Yeah, we were talking about that the other day. Actually. Oh, yeah, Matt, Matt Burton. Burton. Matt Burton, Burton just went. And, and Sebastian Kim, they went with him, and Jan went with him, but then Jan obviously came back and sort of realised no. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Matt and Sebastian carried on. And Matt Burton didn't finish. Well, he did finish the race like in 10.45 or something, didn't he? Or 10.15 or something. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, poor guy. And um, Kinlay didn't do as well as he probably could have. So, yeah, there, there is some limit to this. Yeah. Yeah, of, of not being stupid about it. Um, and so plan B, if that doesn't work out? Plan B? Yeah. If the sum doesn't work out? Yeah. Um, carry on. Yeah, just carry on, ride your own time trial, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You do get to go out and back and see where people are on that course a bit, eh? Yeah, so it's a, a double loop, but the, the the front is more the double loop, and then once you get back to Palm Cove, it's, you ride through down to Cairns, so you do a yeah. two-lap up the top, up to Port yeah. Douglas, and then back through. So, yeah, you can get some, some eyes as to where you're actually sitting yeah. and some splits. So, Yeah. Yeah, that's that. Should be fun. Um, hey, I wanted to ask you about um, the other big news, that, and just what your take on is it is this uh, the the EPO stuff with Colin mm-hmm. Chartier and that. What do you reckon about that? If first of all, people are not familiar with him, that just tell them what's happened again and take, tell me your take. Uh, well, he's been. I think it was about a week ago. Was it a week or two ago that he was made public that he had been tested for positive for EP, the use of EPO um, in trifle. And it, well, I think he's got a three-year race ban, yeah. a three-year three ban in the sport. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot that's come out since then. There's there's podcasts, uh, him included. Um, and then there's also, you know, other chats of um, people who have been band and, and cycling uh, and other sports for the use of EPO and their take around how they used EPO and, and maybe filling in a little bit of the blanks of what 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 society thinks or the triathlon community think are missing within the within Colin's story because I think that there's a lot of questions that that people are asking around you know there's some blanks within his story of, of how he's telling it and people are generally making assumptions and, and maybe some of those assumptions have been uh, concluded. You know, yeah, like he won that trip. big um, PTO race in Dallas, the US Open. Yeah. yeah. Got 100 grand, the sponsorship, but everything did well. Um, really raised his whole profile. He's claiming okay. that he was drug-free at that point. And then after that point, he somehow decided to get on it. And I don't think anyone actually believes that, do they? Oh, hold on. He went to Kona after that. Yeah. And race Kona and had a blowout. Yeah, and and then claims in his off season 
you know, through the December period, I think it was November, December period that he started the use of EPO around his mental health and an injury. Yeah. Uh, tendonitis and some tendonitis in his Achilles, I think it was to, to help, help with that and help with his frame of mind. So, um, you know, the, the, I think. So what, what, I what is that? You'd have some EPO to help with your frame of mind. That'll help. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And yeah. oh, they might, they're just. Should have had a. Should have just gone for a cold shower or a freezer. I thought you were going to say a coke and pie. Well, you could have done that as well. I don't know. Jeez. Um. You know, you can't be trusted, can you? At that point, so it, it doesn't really matter what he says. No, um. No, exactly. no one will know. He knows. Um. I thought Braden Curry made a good point. Uh. About sacrifice. No, he's like, well, he's essentially stolen a hundred grand of someone else. Yeah. Because someone yeah, else would have won yeah. that race. Yeah. And yeah. Um, then the sponsorship that probably would have got someone else might have got instead. And there's only a certain amount of money in the sports. So he's essentially selling off all of the other guys. And he wasn't happy. Eh? And I actually agree. And he reckons he should be sued. I actually probably agree with that, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? I didn't really sort of. Drugs and um, elite Ironman hasn't been something I've been really thinking about. No. I didn't really all. think it was part of the sport, but obviously is. No. Obviously is. Um, it won't be the only one. I actually had a few people reach out to me post that whole announcement around, you know, what do you think the, do you think that there's doping going on in age group racing? You know, given that I was at the top, top you know, I was on the high performance level of age group racing and they're questioning when I was getting tested and how often I was getting tested and what that looked like. So I actually had multiple messages around, yeah. around that thing. Well, you did, oh, you did get tested, but do they test? I, I think they tested you in that Tauranga race, remember, but you're actually racing. That's you can, that's the one race you can just go in there and race pro and leave again. Cause it's not an Ironman race or a challenge yeah. race or anything. Um, yeah, although yeah. they've even banned although, that. They've stopped that now. They had, yeah, I did. I, um, well, I got done after Utah, after oh, winning right. that yeah, race. So I got, yeah. got tested. And, 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 and also pre, like before I even raced at Kona, I got done in Kona as well. Remember you came in with me? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That was quite quite good fun mucking around with all that stuff. But it's a little bit scary, isn't it? They're like quite Yeah, fun. well, I went in to go register and get my race pack. And it's like, you guys just double park. Hold on, I'll be two minutes. Let me just go grab my gear. And, and then I just... That's right. All yeah, of a sudden, we're on the seventh floor of the yeah. Yeah, hotel red... or whatever in some little room with some doctor. There's a red sticker on my race pack. Like, actually, no, we won't give you this until you come and do your test. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Um, so there is drug testing. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 Um, it's quite a serious thing, isn't it? It's like all very serious. But yeah, obviously, yeah. got through. So it's all, um, of course. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't really. Th- Never even crossed my mind in age group racing that people would do that. I just don't think that, you know. No, no, I don't think so either. I mean, if you think about it harder, you know, there's, there is definitely a reason to, for it to be done. You know, the, the time restraints and things that people face. But, I, yeah, I just don't think that that's actually a thing. I don't believe it's a thing. Yeah. Maybe some old guys with testosterone or something, but even then it's probably legit. I don't know. Um, yeah. Any other comments on that? No, that's pretty much it. Actually, I'm just halfway through listening to um, Brad, Brad Beer, I think it is, Pogo Physio down in uh, Gold Coast. It was interviewing uh, Zane, uh, oh, what's his Zane, um, the, the guy that got New Zealand runner. 
got done for EPO about four weeks ago. Yeah, let me Google that guy. What's his name? Zane. Uh, Robinson. Oh, Zane. Oh, that's it, Zane Robinson. So, so he did a podcast. He did a podcast. Rob, Robert Harvey, yeah. like yeah, Dom Harvey. As soon as soon as he got done, but he's. I'm just in the middle of listening to this one about. Um, he done another one with with Brad, and it's it's pretty deep. It's like he talks about a lot about why he was uh, engaging with EPO and. and and whatnot, so it's, it's quite. But it's hard to take their stories at face value, eh? Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, one one thing about Lance Armstrong, at least in the end, he just like, yeah, here's the whole thing. You know, we were just going at it from this early stage, blah blah blah. At least he eventually fessed yeah. up completely. It's hard to tell with these other guys. Maybe they were. I don't know. Um, yeah, I was listening to Thomas Decker, who got who's a cyclist who got done for EPO, and he's just like, you know, Colin. My, my advice to you is whether you're telling his, his one advice is that EPO users, whether you're telling the truth now um, or not, there will be a time where you feel you will need to come clean about the entire story, you know? So, so, so I think, yeah, he's obviously been through that himself and, and there's a lot to face on that front, but um, that was his advice is, is just coming forward about everything. So maybe we'll, we'll, we'll hear more later. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel a bit sorry for that Zane guy in some ways. Those guys went to Kenya when they were pretty young and really committed their life to running, became pretty bloody good actually. Um but then you'd sort of meet them and they had the sort of pigeon gangster rap English thing going on like they do in Kenya and it was just a sort of weird combination of being a white Kiwi uh running a bit like a Kenyan and then talking like one. Um yeah. so I'm not sure if they were the sharpest tools in the shed, but they uh, he's certainly doing some good runs. So it's really tarnished now by that stuff. So that's a real bugger for them. And mm. yeah, yeah, it's bad for New Zealand sport, actually. Yes. Yeah, it was quite a big one when it came out, eh? Yeah. So, yeah, the Colin Chowdhury one's a bigger one. And it's all entertaining listening to uh, Lionel talking about it and weeping away and going, he was juicing in my bathroom and all this stuff. But. Uh, yeah, it's a bit far from us for it to be real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully that's an isolated incident. It's not really endemic. Mm. And, yeah. All right, I think we're getting to the end of wrapping this podcast, eh? I think so, mate. Yep. Yeah. Um, um, all good. Yeah, we'll catch up and uh, a bit of an update as this bill goes on, and then just bit before and after the race and uh, see how it's going out there. Hope everyone's good in podcast land. So talk to you soon. Sounds good, mate. Thank you. Talk soon.